It's Friday, and it's episode 17 of Ty's Daily Commute Video Game Podcast. Today is October 5th, 2012. Okay, so uh, last night I, I got my foot MRI'd. Um, fell asleep in the machine because it's so relaxing. Um, I guess some people are a little claustrophobic. I mean, I've had I've had the other way around where my head was MRI'd before, and uh, that doesn't bother me. As long as I know I can get out, I'm good. Now, if I wedge myself in someplace, I'm not sure I can get out, then I start to panic a little bit, but I think that's a normal kind of panic thing. But anyway, so I looked at my uh, MRIs last night. Um, they give you a copy that you can load on your computer. And uh, I gotta tell you, I cannot tell what is going on there. I mean, I don't know to see how a doctor looking at those images could even see if there's anything wrong. I mean, I mean, I, I've seen, you know, my wife's got MS, and with her, uh, when she gets an MRI, they can see, like, white spots in the brain, you know, where she's got, you know, damage from her immune system. But, um, but with this, it, it just, I mean, I, I suppose I'll look for some white spots, but, geez, it just looks like bones and tissue and all this other stuff, and it's, it's also very low resolution. It's like, um, like 256 by 256 or something. You know, like it's less than, it's not even, it's just so low res. I mean, I don't understand how a doctor could tell anything from that. And it was also funny because they screwed up my birthday and uh, have me being born in 1945 instead of 1975. So that's pretty funny. I have to call them and get that straightened out because it'll probably mess everything up in terms of like billing and, and uh, they probably won't call me back for an appointment because they'll think it's for somebody else. You know, that's always good. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of cool. I made a, I made a little animated GIF out of the, uh, out of the MRI because you know it's got multiple layers. You can, so I exported that as an AVI, and then I took that and turned that to a, um, to a GIF. And uh, it's just funny. It, I, you know, it, it does no good or anything like that. It's just, I kind of like that. Like I got the, uh, I got the, uh, X-ray in my foot as a, I can scan that as well too. It's just fun to do. Oh man, and so like yesterday as I was driving home, you know, I was saying there's quite a bit of fog and actually I'm going to be driving some thick fog in just a second now. Um, boy, it looks like a blanket. But when I was driving home last night, it was just everywhere. It was fog. And uh, I got home and I had to go to Walmart and I took this back road that kind of goes around town. Around, You know, it's like a, almost like bypassing town and going around the back of it or the front of it, however you look at it. And... Uh, there's this road you have to turn off to get to Walmart. It kind of comes right off next to it. I drove by it, and I, I didn't even notice I'd driven by it until I'd driven, like, a quarter of a mile down the road. It was just the fog was so thick. And, because uh, literally, you could only see, like, you know, 15 feet in front of the car. So then I turned around, I went to go back, and I could still barely see where the road was. And the only thing that let me know that was there was a turn there was that the stripe ended on the side it doesn't even turn down the road because it's like a goes from a state road to a county road so that white stripe it just stops and uh and the the sign i can barely see and so i did you know i had to drive very slowly like we're talking like driving like five miles an hour just to get to get there and uh yeah so it was crazy fog last night and uh let's see after that i um i went and i worked on the space invaders a tiny bit I um pretty much sure that, that I need to replace the uh, the five volt the five volt voltage regulator 
and uh, a transistor. So I'm going to order those from Bob Roberts. And while I'm at that, I'm going to at that I'm going to order two K4600 cap kits and um, all the uh, connectors for my baby Pac-Man, all the Bolexes, and uh, at the same time I might get a uh, a degauss degauss coil because um, I don't have one of those and really could use it because I got a couple monitors that could use the use a degaussing. I have a friend uh, who uh, says you can just make your own, but the thing is when you make your own, it's not quite the same as um, as one that's built for that purpose. Um, at least what Bob Roberts says. I mean, that's I'm going by what he says, and he says that it's it's a very strong uh, degauss coil. So um, yeah, so I'm just gonna probably get that. I think it's like thirty dollars for the coil, um, twenty eight something like that. I can't remember. I gotta look. I have to see how much it is before I decide if I'm going to get it or not. Um, yeah, if you if you need an order from Bob Roberts, uh, just look up in Google. Look the real look Google the real Bob Roberts, and I think it's the realbobroberts.net is this actual website. Um, and it's just like it's not a website where you can actually order things by you know putting things in a shopping cart and and see each individual product. Essentially, just lists of items he sells. Um, you know, sometimes there's links to like an image. Um, sometimes the image is like a generic image. Like if you click on a Donkey Kong Junior wiring harness, you're going to see a photo for a Galaga wiring harness. You know, it's not like it's uh, you know very specific. It's just like, hey, you're getting a wiring harness. Here's a photo. Um, uh, but you know, he's he's really he's got some great deals out there. Um, he doesn't take anything like PayPal or um, credit cards. It's all Either you send them a check or a U.S. Postal Service money order. Um, I always use the money order because it's um, it's just more convenient, and I don't like writing a check because sometimes you gotta. I mean, like at least when I first did set, got set up with them, you know, you have to wait for the check to clear before it'll send you the stuff. So um, I just send him the money order, so he knows that he's got the money when he gets when he gets that money order in the mail. He knows he's got it, and. Uh, I don't have to worry about any kind of check clearing or anything like that. I just go to the post office. I'm going to be mailing it to them anyway, so I might as well get the money order. I mean, it costs, what is it, like 50 cents for the money order? Um, and he'll ship it out right away. And actually, once he gets to know you, at least with me, um, I don't know how, how many, you know, he's, he did this more frequently in the past, but once he knows that you're a good customer, um, you know, as soon as you say, I've shipped the money order, he ships you the, the, uh, the actual items. He'll cross-ship them. Um, he always sends everything U.S. priority mail, so so it also you know shipping is like very basic. You know it'll fit in this box, so you know it's going to cost this much for the shipping. So um, you know rather than uh, oh I'm going to I'm going to package it in this and it's cheaper to send it this way, so I'm going to send that way. You just know that you're going to pay. You know it fits in the small priority box. You're going to pay five eighty five or whatever it is for priority mail to get that to you. Um, you know some people don't like all the you know his peculiarities about how he does things, but, you know, he's an old guy, you know, he's retired, um, you know, he doesn't have, he's just doing it out of the kindness of his heart, it's not like he, I can't imagine he's making a ton of money doing this, he does this just because people are uh, collectors, he used to be an operator, and he's helping people out, I mean, he literally has things that you can't get anywhere else, so, um, you know, if you're buying stuff, uh, you know, he's a good guy to shop from, I gotta, I can't recommend him enough. 
Um, there's a couple places I shop from that I like the best. Um, I haven't shot from everybody in the, everybody out there, but you know, there's there's good places. I, I mean, I bought from uh, the other, you know, number two place I like to buy from is uh, Paradise Arcade Shop. And that's just because he's, you know, a guy I've come to know. His name's uh, Brian Armistage, and uh, he's out of he's out of uh, Hawaii, and uh, he's actually a a, a doctor, foot uh, doctor. I can't remember exactly what he is. He does he does something like it's like podiatry or. Or um, orthopedic, I think he's an orthopedic, orthopedic doctor, and uh, yeah, and uh, he uh, he started this shop up, and uh, he sells lots of the Chinese, uh, you know, knockoff boards. But really, the main thing I buy from him is the his uh, IL but buttons and joysticks, and uh, um, you know, his price has gone up a little bit recently. But I think that's just a cost of of you know, because Spain's got the issues with their economy and stuff so I think it's just that the price of the items went up for him but yeah so I buy my IL sticks from him and IL buttons and he, he really is a great guy always takes good care of me um, other place I shop from is uh, Jamma Boards I think it's jamboards.net and uh, uh, let's see his name's I think Tim Hensel and uh, he's a good guy too uh, I think a few people don't like a few things he does or whatever right I don't know. I don't know what the deal is there. I think you know he's a good guy. He's, um, I bought a few things off of him that he can't get other places. Um, his prices are good. He's right in New Jersey. He ships quickly. Um, I think the let's see what it was you know, like. For example, I bought um, a Jamma wiring harness off of Bob Roberts, and uh, when you get one off of him, it's going to be all high, you know, high quality wires and connectors. But the thing is, you get them. There's not a single connector that's on. You have to make you you have to finish it up essentially. Um, but that makes sense because a lot of times the you know you need to cut the you mean you might want to trim them off shorter and stuff like that. So you know he's giving you a, a very nice wiring harness when you buy off him, and it costs a little bit more. If I'm but if I want a cheap wiring harness um, and I buy one from like Jamaboard, Board, it's going to cost me ten bucks, and it's some Chinese one without every wire populated. But it's got all the connectors on it, so if I just want to get down to dirty and get it done, um, you know, just get it, it's not like it's a high importance to have that like that, then I'll get one of those off of him. I got an JAMA extension harness from him, and uh, it doesn't work with a lot of the things I have, so that was a little disappointing, but that's, again, he didn't make it, it's, out of, it's some thing from China, um, so, you know, it, it just doesn't work with every board. I think a lot of it just has to do with it's not every it's something something's missing in there or something. I, it just doesn't. You plug in some boards and they get, you get graphical glitches and stuff. So um, I don't. I'm not. I don't even use it at all anymore. Um, but from Bob sells one and I, it looks like it's a better quality extension harness, but it costs a lot. You know, it's like 35, 40 bucks for his extension harness. Where the one from from Gem Boards was like. And fifteen dollars—it's really cheap. Um, but what I really like is on uh, Jamma boards. Is he's got those—he's um, got actual uh, Jamma uh, fingerboards that are really nice. Um, He's—he seems to be the only one that sells them. Um, They're—I mean, obviously they're his own design. Um, some of them have hole-through connections. Uh, everything's labeled on the board. Um, and another one actually has header pins. It's really cool. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's really nice. Um, versus, 
you know, if you buy a gem or fingerboard from other people, it's just going to be essentially just some, uh, a, you know, 25 or whatever it is, 28-pin um, card edge connector. Um, and you have to solder directly to the board, and nothing's labeled. So you kind of, some of them have absolutely no labels on them. Some of them are labeled with the number, the pin numbers at least. Um, so, Jamo, the, 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 the fingerboards the jam board cells are really nice um, and he has some nice adapters too I bought a uh, Neo Geo to uh, JAMA adapter and a Capcom uh, early, uh, early Capcom to JAMA adapter and that's really nice too the funny thing is I actually bought you know some fingerboards off of first and made that adapter myself and uh, I hooked it up to my hooked up my ghouls and ghosts and I was getting that little graphical glitch and I thought it was the I thought it was my adapter I had made but it turns out it's just the ROMs so I bought the extra I bought the actual one that he sells and uh, hooked that up and it was still having the issues so I knew it wasn't my the adapter I had made but you know whatever it's a nicer adapter mine was a bunch of wires going all over the place you know because you have to use you know if you're just using fingerboards you gotta have a lot of wires Whereas if you have like a, an adapter space specifically, you have a nice circuit board and, and uh, stuff to connect everything up really nicely. So yeah, that's um, that's pretty much it with that. Um, what else are we gonna say? Well, anyway, so yeah, so I was working on the Space Invaders last night, and uh, um, while so I you know pretty much got it down to where I tested the the minus five volts. That's working fine. Eighteen volts is working fine. Um, everything else, all the other outputs are fine. It's just the the, the plus five V that's not working, and uh, so I'm going to order those parts. But while I was doing that, I figured oh, I'll test the monitor out, see how that's working. And uh, I found the pins on the connector that are um, the uh, essentially uh, Space Invaders. The first Space Invaders on you know the Midway ones at least are black and white monitors with uh, gels placed gel strips, colored strips placed over the tube to simulate color. And uh, I, uh, so it's a black and white tube and essentially you could hook any composite video source up to a, up to the monitor and display it on the screen. Um, then the reverse is you could hook any black, any composite TV up to the output of a Space Invaders and display it on a TV with a composite video input. So I, uh, um, I wanted to test the monitor out and see what kind of shape it's in. Now I already have a cap kit for it, but I want to see you know, like what does it look like when I hook something up to it. So I took some of those. Uh, I took out my uh, like a Pac-Man, one of those uh, TV game you know joysticks that you just have the composite video out, video and the composite audio. And I hooked that up to the uh, to the monitor and uh, powered it up. I disconnected the Space Invaders board and all those stuff there. And. Uh, the uh, video scrambled on it, and then I swapped it out, and I hooked up a uh, that ColecoVision that Jerry Ellsworth actually made, the ColecoVision joystick, and uh, um, hooked that up, and I could see that it was actually rolling. Um, the like the uh, horizontal hold, yeah, the horizontal hold was actually off. It means it was rolling, you know, vertically inside Space Invaders, and there's no horizontal hold. Uh, pot adjustment on that tube. Uh, essentially, you need to just cap it. So I've got the cap kit. I'll have to put that in. Um, 
not a big deal. It's kind of, it looks like it's going to be a pain to get it out though because, um, you know, the way the monitor's mounted in there, you have to really kind of get in there. Um, and uh, I'm hoping I can just disconnect the, the uh, chassis without doing, you know, pulling the whole tube out. Although the tube should come out because it's filthy. Uh, it's just got so much dust, you know, it's, it's 19, I don't think it's been cleaned since 1978, you know, it's really dusty inside. Um, as a matter of fact, I need to vacuum the inside out because it's got this just layer of dust. And the, and the thing is the, the operator installed on the back door installed a fan um, inside the cabinet. He did the same thing with the Donkey Kong Jr. that I got off this, off this guy. And uh, it, what it does is it just sucks all the dust and dirt inside the cabinet. I don't even think it's necessary. I mean, it's not like, the, it's not like it gets all that hot inside. I mean, a, a, a Donkey Kong Jr. doesn't get hot, and I don't think a Space Invader gets hot. Um, you know, it's one thing to have heat sinks and fans on the actual board if something gets hot, but to put a case fan on your cabinet if it doesn't need it, is really not the best thing because you're gonna get it's gonna get so dirty inside that cabinet. Um, like a super hang on comes with a fan. That's because it doesn't really have any vents on it. Um, it's you know in the upper part of the shroud, so it sucks the air in through everything. And I might gotta tell you something. That super hang on is so filthy on the inside. It's full of dust bunnies and dirt and dust and just just so dirty i gotta take the whole thing i gotta take that you know like you could just take the 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 chassis off the monitor to cap it because it needs to be capped but um man that uh that thing is dirty it's really dirty um you know so i'm gonna have to do a lot of I'm gonna have to take the whole thing apart and just like hose the hose a bunch of stuff down, vacuum a lot of things out because it really is it's just a mess inside. Um, but you know, it shouldn't be too bad. I mean, it, you know, it's just gonna it's just, it, the thing needs a really good cleaning and a cap kit and the throttle cable fix. But man, I'm not gonna even I'm not even gonna think about that now. But it did remind me that I should get another K7000 cap kit while I'm at it, so I have it um, for that monitor. So I need a I need a K7, two K4600s, and uh, I should get three K4600s because I got a bunch of chassis, and uh, and uh, I don't know which one is going to end up working once I. But I know one of them works because it works now. But the one that was out of my Galaga, um, the tube was great. It's just a beautiful. It's a really nice tube. It's got a tiny teeny tiny bit of Cubert burning in it, um, but not much. I mean, you, you only see it with the tube out of the cabinet without any of the tinting and, uh, you know, with the light on and the, the tube off, you can't even see the burning, so it's, it's barely there. Um, but, so it's in great shape, and, you know, when it's powered on, it looks good. I mean, it doesn't look as good as the, the Vision Pro, the Hap Vision Pro that I bought and put in it. Um, and the reason is that, I mean, it looks really good. The only thing is, is that the tube, the Vision Pro tubes are so, you know, it's a modern tube, so it's so black, you know, where if, I mean, I got a photo of it. The, uh, the half tube with the, uh, with the K4600 tube, with them both off, just sitting next to each other, and the, and the half tube is like, is like almost black. It's like a dark charcoal color, and the, um, the 
the West, the Wells Gardner uh, K4600 tube is like a light gray. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous the difference in the in the uh, the darkness of the tubes. So the contrast is much better on those um, Vision Pro tubes, and it's in good. It's in really good tune. It's tuned up really good. I mean, I could adjust the red convergence a tiny bit. Um, I'm not really, don't even feel the need to mess with it because it's only like in the corner a little bit that it's off. Um, you know, like put, I could put like a convergence strip on it. Um, but the, the K4600, before I actually, it went bad, I tuned it all up and I did the convergence on it. And man, that thing was locked in perfect. And it was like two days later that the, uh, the uh, uh, what is it? It had vertical collapse on it. And that was just a horizontal collapse. It was, it was just really disappointing. But that can be fixed. I just gotta. I think the cap kit will fix that. I'm not sure. So I have that one, and then there's another K4600 that I picked off picked up off of Tim, who lives in Syracuse, and uh, got a really good price on it. And that's in my uh, that's in my Galaga 88, and that needs uh, that really just needs a cap kit, just because it, it kind of flick it flakes out a little bit here and there. Um, it might actually need a flyback. I'm not sure, but. I got extra flybacks in those extra chassis, so if I needed to swap it, I could, but I'm just going to leave it in there and see if the cap kit fixes that first before I start messing with that. Um, you know, but other than that, the, the picture looks great. Got a little bit of uh, uh, overscan in one direction, um, but it looks, it looks really good. Um, so I'm going to take that, recap that one, and then fix my old K4600, and that's probably, I mean, almost definitely going in the uh, Donkey Kong 94 cabinet and I'm going to put a JAMA harness in that cabinet with a K4600 in it and uh, uh, power, you know, regular power supply and uh, that should, uh, you know, then I'll have a nice JAMA, JAMA Donkey Kong style cabinet that I can also run a, uh, run a like a 16-1 in if I wanted to or, or like a, the really, the nice arcade SD cards, uh, arcade SD um, boards in there if I decide to get one of those um, yeah so that would be you know it'd be nice to have that you know it's additional in there but essentially what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna I have that Super Nintendo that I've half wired JAMA I've got the video and the power running on it right now I still need to make an audio amp circuit and uh, and wire up the controllers into it so I can control things um, you know, so that's that needs to be done too. I need to, you know, the video's connected, but it's a little weak. The signal's a little weak, so I need to finish the. Uh, I was also going to amp the the video circuit too. I've got all the the parts I need to do that. But I wanted to swap out. Right now, I've got one of those J1B whatever it's called uh, fingerboards actually connected to the Super Nintendo. But it it's all it's the whole through version. And uh, I want to swap it out for the Molex one so I can easily connect things and disconnect things as I'm going along. I think it just, and it looked cool. <laughs> I'm just being silly in that, but um, I didn't realize he had the one with the header pins on it. And uh, uh, so I, if I had known that beforehand, I would have used that for the first, from the get-go. Because I actually put header pins on the Super Nintendo board. I took the board out. I've got... Um, I've got the little uh, PCB board standoffs on it, and uh, for the video out and the power to the Super Nintendo R, I have header pins connected, and I just want to take those um, 
I want to just get everything kind of like set up and in there. So it almost looks like an arcade board when you're done. Um, obviously, the controller boards are going to be a little wacky because they're not shaped like an actual uh, controller. But I might, I, I'm not sure how I'm going to do it. I might just use Super Nintendo controllers and just wire them in. Or I might just use the, um, the chip from it and just, because you really don't need to have all those things going on. I could just make a little hole through board and uh, just take two of the, uh, actually four of the encoder chips. I could use four encoder chips from NES controllers to do it or um, one out of each, out of a Super Nintendo controller and make it um, like a simpler version of the, essentially the control board for Super Nintendo. Um, yeah, so that's, that's like my last thing I'm going to do, the actual, the joystick controls and stuff like that. Um, because it's it's just tedious to do that. Um, it's not it doesn't it's not the thing that gets me all worked up and like having fun. I hate doing that part. Uh, but it's gonna be it's still gonna be nice. And I, I also have to work on my virtual boys too. I have cabinets are um, need to be forked on and uh, yeah a lot of projects going on. But I was glad that I actually got a, got a little work on that space invaders. You know it doesn't look like it's gonna be too bad to get it fixed. Um, the cap kit for the monitor is actually really simple. There's like five caps for the whole thing. Um, the biggest hassle is going to be getting it out, um, and, you know, replacing it. Um, just because the way, you know, as I said, it's mounted vertically, it's mounted upside down, the tube points up. Um, so that's, that's going to be uh, interesting. I mean, actually, the tray that the, that the chassis sits on is, comes out really easily. So I think it's just unplugging everything and uh, that will be the, you know, interesting part, discharging it from inside the cabinet. I think I'm just going to pull the board. I'm not going to touch the. Mon I'm not going to take the monitor out, the actual tube out, because um, I can clean the. I can clean it inside the cabinet, and uh, well, I got. I just got to see. You know, it's one of those things. I haven't even thought about it enough yet. I was just looking at it last night, thinking about how I'm going to do it, because I hadn't even given it much consideration. I just ordered the cap kit for the tube, because I know that those things go bad. Um, and, you know, the thing is, how old is that tube now? Um, it's getting close, it's approaching 40 years, not quite, but, um, you know, it's, it's really old. And, uh, you know, capacitors just don't last 40 years, electrolytic capacitors. And I got this jerk here, like, just tailgating me. What's, what's with that? I mean, like, I'm not going to go any faster. I got somebody in front of me, buddy, and then that person got somebody in front of them. Uh, it's Friday, though, and uh, it really is nice have the weekend coming up I mean I, I it's always funny because I get excited about the weekend but I know it's not going to be you know as productive as I'd like it to be but I have gotten the last few weekends I've gotten some things done um you know I got that Donkey Kong Jr. done but although this weekend I'm going to put in that high score save kit that'll be nice to get that done and the only thing left after that is the control panel polishing that up and putting on that little uh uh, putting on the dust washer, which I need to order, but uh, yeah, I think that's quarter arcade. I got I get those from, and I think I'm gonna wait on that. If was it quarter? No, it's not. I forget where I got those from, but I think it's the same place that I can get the T molding from. The flat. Oh, I'm not sure. To be honest, I there's so many people places I order from, and they all kind of got like quarters in their name or arcade in their name, so. It's hard to keep track of every single place I've ordered something from. So, uh, 
yeah, I gotta, I gotta do, so, I gotta get some orders and for some parts. But I don't. It's good because I don't have a lot of parts left to get anymore. I know that you know most of the stuff. You know, I've got already. You know, except for the you know rectifier board and a few parts here and there. Um, you know, the only thing that's going to take the most stuff is going to be getting those Virtual Boy cabinets together. Um, yeah, so, huh, here we go, Mr. Tailgater. Man, it's so funny, because, like, this person, now they're going to pass me on the left, on the right, um, and I, we just went, I just went through toll booths. Of course, it's a woman. Oh, I hope there's a trooper right there. It's so annoying. Yeah, so, uh, <sighs> yeah, uh, what else am I going to say? Um, yeah, well, anyway, so, yeah, so I got the Space Invaders, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to order those parts. I'm going to put it back. I'm just going to close it back up again because there's nothing I can do with it. Well, I could do the, I could do the tube, um, you know, do the uh, cap kit on the monitor. Uh i just hoping that the main board doesn't have any damage on it. I'm assuming that it, since the 5 volt dropped, that it just, that's why it stopped working. So, um, I mean, it's possible some other things went on it, but we'll start from here. Um, I'm not going to even think about what else could be wrong on it right now. Yeah, so, right. Um... Yeah, so the you know got to finish that up, and maybe to, this afternoon I'll talk a little bit more about some Taito games. Um, funny thing is, is I'm, I'm working on the Space Invaders. There's a bunch of other people on uh, KLLV who are uh, working on their Space Invaders at the same time. It's funny because they're all kind of having similar issues with them, but. Uh, see here. Okay, so what else is there to do this weekend? I mean, oh, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I've been telling you, I've got the rat poison out to make sure that the mice, when they come in, they get killed. Well, uh, I haven't had any more mice that I know of, but there's one that's dead somewhere, and I got rid of the one, the one that was dead, but there's some other dead mouse somewhere, and, oh, Nelly, he's starting to stink, and I gotta find him. Uh, he's somewhere behind the furnace, which is where I got my motorcycle stuffed whole bunch of other stuff and there's like gigantic spiders back there too and my arachnophobia just gets a lot gets stronger every year that I age and it's funny because when I was a kid spiders didn't really bother me they're not even much more than any other bug it just didn't even it was inconsequential I didn't even think about spiders but now as I get older I'm just like it's not it's not terror it, it's like some people have just a sheer terror over them. It's like this um, strong urge to destroy them and to just get out of their reach. Um, you know, as long, if they can't hurt me, I'm just, I'm a little bit repulsed by them. But, um, but mostly, I just want to destroy them. And it's a very strong urge. Like the other day, one came running across the floor. He was huge. And, uh, man, I stomped the hell out of him with my bad right foot too and afterwards it's like oh that hurts and I'm always and then I'm like thinking to myself that's probably how I broke my foot in the first place stomping on a spider 
because it's like I do it with such a um, blind rage, not rage, just, just, it's hard to say rage because I don't feel rage towards it. I feel this um, urgency to murder it. <laughs> yeah, but man, that mouse, dead mouse stinks. And I got to find him because he just stinks. It doesn't stink the whole basement, but like in certain areas, just like, oh, whew, it smells like dead feet is what it smells like. Um, and I think probably part of it comes from the, uh, um, you know, the, the actual poison that they eat. Because um, I hate the smell of the poison, too. It's got like this nutty smell to it. And, uh, but, you know, it's better to have a stinky dead mouse um, somewhere in your basement than to have a live mouse crawling through your, your, uh, your uh, silverware drawer, you know, licking your spoons. So, you know, you got to take care of that stuff, you know. Oh, you know, I got to tell you, if you got a house, you really need to have something, some kind of uh, rodent prevention thing going on because, I mean, you can, you can go crazy and try to seal your house up, but um, they'll find a way in. So, you know, and I suppose if you live somewhere, like in the, I don't know anywhere there's not mice. You know, mice are just everywhere. If you live, you know, in a field, there's field mice. If you live in a forest area, there's wood mice, you know, if you live in the desert, there's desert mice, if you live in the city, there's just like house mice and rats, um, so, you know, to think that your house does not have mice in it, um, is not the best, is a mistake, now, you know, in the summertime, they don't care, they don't come in your house, because there's really, it's like a, there's like a, there's nothing in the house for them, like where I live, you know, because they're not house mice. So, you know, they can get in the house, but there's really, it's just, they get into the basement and I have everything sealed going upstairs pretty good. Um, but, and, you know, when they get in, there's not a lot to like, hey, this is a great place to be. But as soon as it starts to get cold out, they're like, okay, I'm going to bring all the seeds in to this nice warm house and stay inside the house. So, um, at least in you know the northeast where I live, it, it they, they all move in this time of year, and that's exactly what happened. I would say, you know, like the first week of September or so, just when it's starting to get cool at night, I was sitting in my basement at the computer, and all of a sudden I heard a little, nyeh, 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 and he was chewing the hole, chewing some hole somewhere he's gotten in the house. He's probably widening it for his buddies to get in, and uh, and I heard him, and I start I put the poison out now. The thing was, I checked all the trays, and they had, you know, not. I checked them every so often, and they still have the poison in them. And so, you know, sure as clockwork, it's you know September rolls around. That's when they start to come in your house. And uh, my friend James is actually saying he's got a few that he killed too. Um, so it's always good this time of year. Make sure you, you know, either put traps out or glue, uh, glue strips, you know, those glue, glue paper things, or um, or poison. I I I like the poison because. Um, it really, you know, it gets them, like some mice just don't understand a trap. I mean, I literally have traps. Still, I have traps in my basement and they don't get, they don't go for them. You know, you can put the, you can put peanut butter on them, you can put whatever you want on them. They won't go for the traps, but they always go for the poison. Always go for the poison. I've never had it where they don't eat that poison. Um, yeah, because I've got those traps out there and they don't set them off. They don't, they're not even interested in them. Um. You know, if I do, I have to change them. 
like I can set them, but it's like the, the field mice, they don't really, they're, they don't really go for those, and uh, so I, you know, I could set them and set them up, and they may go for them if I put that peanut butter on them, and I do it like, you know, I change it all the time, but you know, it's, I have to put them up on the sill of the basement, because that's where they are, they're walking around that sill, and, uh, and I, it's a pain in the ass to get up there and, you know, get those things down, and then, you know, add the poison to them, I mean, not the poison, but the peanut butter to them, and sometimes they just come, and they're so small, the mice are so small, even the smallest traps, they don't set them off, they can just literally walk over them, and they don't go off, so, and those are, and we're not talking about some cheapo, you know, Chinese knockoff one, I'm talking about actually using a, uh, uh, what's the brand name, traps, uh, uh, whatever they are, they are the brand name ones, <laughs> it doesn't matter, I'm not going to give an endorsement to a particular product, but Decon, that stuff works, it really does. And, uh, but, you know, the one thing you got to deal with is there's going to be a dead mouse somewhere and you're going to smell that guy just rotting in your house. And, uh, you know, you got to look for him. And the problem is, is in a basement, you use it for storage. And, of course, they go somewhere where it's hard to find them. And uh, every, all the other mice, actually, were pretty easy to find because they crawled out in the middle of the floor and were half dead. Um, this guy, he's somewhere... Uh, somewhere I can't, I, I don't see him initially, so I got to pull a bunch of stuff out this weekend, which is good. I have to pull this stuff out anyways, and got to vacuum up the spiders. I, you know, this is this time of year the spiders are, you know, they all kind of move into at that time, and and uh, you know, uh, you know, because you got this the, you get all the bugs that are all over the place because of the harvest. You know, like everything, there's lots of food for, you know, flies and and mosquitoes and all that kind of stuff, and. And the, that's when the fight, you know, the, the late summer, early fall is when the spider population explodes. And, and so I've got a lot of spiders in my basement. And, I, you know, I'll go through and I'll vacuum up all the webs and vacuum out the French drain. And, uh, you know, when I'm done, it's like I, I'm good for the winter and I won't have to deal with spiders. But, uh, you know, it's not, the, it's not the funnest thing to do. You just go around and be vacuumed out. Like, you know, why do, why do I have spiders, you know? But I don't I don't want to be that person with a basement full of spiders either. Um, you know, or, you go in somebody's basement and there's just spider webs everywhere. <laughs> I hate that. Okay, guys, so I'm at work now, and uh, I'm going to see you for the afternoon, hopefully. But, you know, if the podcast ends here, it just means I uh, didn't really have anything to talk about. Um, but it's uh, it's Friday. i got a few things that I'm going to think about today. While I'm working, and uh, yeah, so uh, have a good good uh, day. I guess you're gonna see me in a second, anyway. So, signing off till the afternoon. Okay, guys, welcome back. It's the afternoon portion of the podcast for October fifth. Yeah, it's October fifth, two thousand twelve. Episode seven, sixteen, seventeen. I knew better this morning. But anyways, uh, yeah, so what am I going to talk about now? Um, not sure quite yet. Um, yeah, I got my window open right now because it is hot. It's definitely heated up during the day. We've had like pure rain continuously for, I would say, over a week now, probably going on two weeks, which is funny because we had a, a drought going on before that. I'm rolling my windows up now. It's getting a little noisy. I got the AC on. Yeah, um, it's good to, uh, 
have a little bit of sunshine. Although it's, it's like kind of hot, uncomfortable, a little humid. Um, but at least things are drying up. Maybe I'll get to mow my lawn or something. It's a long weekend for me. I got Columbus Day off. I don't know if you, some of you guys got that off, but uh, I don't know if I'll do anything special or not. Um, not really sure yet, but uh, yeah, it's great. Having long weekends is always good. And uh, let's talk a little bit more about Taito Games. We'll make this the third day of Taito Games. And uh, funny thing is, is I, when I was until like a few years ago, I think it was when I got my uh, um, Dreamcast and I got Buster Brothers for it. Or, I mean, Buster Brothers. I'm always going to do this. Bust a move. Um, the beginning would say, Taito. And <laughs> I always just thought it was Tato. Of course, you know, like potato. Uh, um, but yeah, that makes perfect sense if you, you know, once you know Japanese, that it would be Taito, not Tato. refreshing beverage you know before I talk about that I'm gonna talk about something kind of cool um, I don't know if I talked about this before or not I'm pretty sure I didn't but I'm a, I'm a pretty uh, pretty strong uh, fan of all things Japanese and not that I think that everything should be Japanese but I find uh, a lot of the things that they have are pretty cool um, you know, I'm definitely an American. I don't want to be Japanese, um, nor do I want everything in my life to be Japanese. But there's a few things that, that they have that are pretty cool. I kind of like. Um, it kind of stems back to being a kid. You know, um, when I was a kid, I loved uh, robots like Transformers. And those are actually made by... Um, What's the name of the company now? What can't I think of? Uh, Takara. Um, you know, which has now been bought by Toomey. And Toomey had a bunch of cool things. It seems to me that a lot of the toys when I was a kid came from Japan. Or were designed in Japan, maybe in China. A lot of the coolest toys came from there. You know, uh, uh, all the little Toomey toys. Transformers. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I like Legos. Those are from, like, Sweden or some weird uh, European northern european company country like norway or i don't know where the hell they come from but they don't they're not from japan obviously but a lot of cool toys came from japan as a kid and then you know as i got older then video games all the cool video games came from japan i mean we had the atari back when i was a kid i didn't actually have the atari but my brother had the, the 400 but we never had a 2600 but you know a lot of the cool i mean even the arcade games the good arcade games a lot of them came from japan you know pac-man Galaga, Galaxian, Space Invaders, Donkey Kong, they all came from Japan. And then I got a little bit older, I think it was in second grade, I got my first dirt bike. My boy, my brother was jealous of that. Um, or, I don't know if he was jealous, he just thought that I was privileged. And I gotta tell you, you know, I was in second grade, so what does that make me? That makes me uh, like seven or eight. And I got a little. 80cc Yamaha that was old, the same age as me. It was a 1975. And if I recall correctly, I think my parents paid like 150 or 200 bucks, which was no small amount of money back then. But, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a birthday gift and it was a nice one. So, yeah, I was, you know, I liked dirt bikes when I was a kid. 
And as through the years, I got I got different, I got newer, bigger ones as I went along. And guess what? They all came from Japan. So, I mean, like everything that I liked was made in Japan. And so, and now it's like, well, you'd think, well, who cares if it, you know, why would I like things that are Japanese? Well, that culture is what kind of spawned all the things that I like. So, of course, the, the kind of that culture stuff and the things they do are kind of interesting to me. Um, you know, and, and like, for example, I like Transformers, but it wasn't just the Transformers figures, but the cartoons, too. And the cartoons came from Japan. And other shows I like, like Voltron and, um, you know, uh, it's called Macross in Japan, but I can't think of what it's called. Uh, Robotech. Robotech came from Japan. All these kind of cool things. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I definitely like Japanese stuff, um, Japanese food. To a certain extent, I like. I don't. Um, I can't say I dislike other things. Um, I'm not a big uh, cooked fish fan, and I will not eat crustaceans. Um, but you know, pretty much everything else I, I like. I mean, I mean, I've had natto, and you know, it's really not good. But uh, it's not inedible either. It has. It's like eating turpentine. You know, sticky beans. Uh, it's very kind of a weird taste, but, uh, you know, I can eat it, and I do eat it. Um, uh, so, man, that's some of the weirdest stuff they got is natto. I mean, um, so, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not a big fan of cooked seafood. I mean, I, I love, I love sashimi and sushi. You know, the ones that are made from fish, not the ones made from crabs. I'm definitely going to eat that. I ain't eating crabs. It's like eating spiders. Um, let's see, uh, you know, no lobsters, no shrimp, things like that. You know, I, I, I might eat octopus or clams or squids or things like that, but at the same time, they're actually, you know, uh, um, you know, octopus and, and squid are actually very intelligent creatures, so it's kind of, you know, it'd be like eating a dolphin, you know, I don't, I'm not really big on you know, eating things that are somewhat intelligent. I mean, you know, cow's stupid, chicken's stupid, you know, those kind of things are stupid. But, like, actually, octopus are very smart. Um, so it's kind of hard to, you know, it's like eating a monkey, you know. I'm not going to eat a monkey. No, it doesn't make much sense to eat a monkey, but, you know, or a dog. I'm not going to eat a dog. A dog's smart, you know. So, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not, kind of, like, draw my line there. If it's not... It doesn't have to, I mean, obviously those animals aren't like what they call sentient, but at the same time, they have emotions and stuff like that. So it's it's hard to want to eat them. And of course, like a, well, a clam is a clam of emotions now. But, you know, like an octopus, a squid do. And they're all, those are all, um, what you call it, cephalopods. And uh, so, you know, I, I kind of don't really want to eat a cephalopod, just not because not because I think it would taste bad, just because it's kind of like, I feel bad about eating that. Um like what you know when I could eat Kobe beef why would I, why would I want to eat this you know why would I want to eat an octopus but the point being is that you know a lot of like a lot of Japanese things or I, you know uh, like I said all the robots the games the um, motorcycles all that kind of stuff and in uh, cartoons TV shows and so as an adult um, some of this stuff has become you know, with the internet, you can see some of these things I didn't even know. Like, it never really occurred to me. A lot of things I like were from Japan. I mean, I knew 
like it was like okay yeah my dirt bike my yamaha or my kawasaki or my honda they came from japan but but other than that it was just like you know whatever it's just something that's made somewhere else you know um you know the my transformers i had no clue that they came from japan um you know in the cartoons i think they were made by marvel but they were sunbow productions actually produced them so it's you know it's definitely japanese involved in that one um the uh whoo they slammed those brakes on in front of me pretty quickly must not have been looking ahead of themselves hmm. but you know so you know as you get older and with the internet you get to learn a lot about japan and i found it interesting um, I like to watch some of the Japanese TV shows, like, um, you know, their dramas, their animes, things like that. Those are kind of fun to watch. Um, I like to watch them with the subtitles on, um, because I found that a lot of the ones, you know, like, what kind of got me, you know, watching those things was, the, the animes and stuff, was back, Sci-Fi Channel had, like, Vampire Hunter D, and, um, Project Aiko, and a bunch of other, uh, anime that I, I didn't really even, even then, I don't think I was thinking to myself, these are Japanese TV shows. I think that, you know, it's like, wow, these are cool. These are nothing like the cartoons you see in this country. You know, they were a little bit more adult. And they had some, they were just, the themes were so bizarre. You know, some of these things, like Vampire Hunter D. The guy's got a mouth on his hand, and he's a, he's a, I don't know if he's a vampire. He's the, I mean, he's the child of a vampire, of a woman who's turned to a vampire. He's kind of like half vampire. He's like Blade. Um, and... You know, Project Aiko, a planet where the <laughs> where they're aliens and the men dress like women, or or the men are women and the women are women. It's some kind of weird weird thing like that. So it's bizarre because like the you know some of the aliens, or is it reversed? Well, I mean, the girl, the main, the protagonists aren't. I don't think they're from that planet, but the the planet that's like invading Earth, they're like these you know, women who look like men, but they wear women's underwear, but men's clothing on the outside. So it's very bizarre. <laughs> it was very weird. And I think they're huge, too, gigantic. Um, let's see. So, you know, but you get to see these shows, and then a little while later, it was um, Adult Swim had, like, uh, oh, what was it called? Um... They had a bunch of anime on, essentially. And there's this one, and I just can't think of the name of it right now. Um, uh, but it was, it featured some music from the Pillows. Um, some, ja you know, Japanese rock band. Um, and the Pillows are awesome. They're, like, really great uh, J-rock. If you call it J-rock, I mean, it's just, like, it's just rock. But they speak Japanese. Um, and uh, the, the anime was awesome. And uh, uh, let's see, there was... You know, a big O was actually pretty cool. Um, you know, so I was watching these in like Cowboy Bebop. By then, I knew they were from Japan, um, and but still, at that time, it was just starting where they where you could kind of download some of these things on the internet. Um, you know, and you get these shows, and it was like I get them, and they were the Japanese voices um, with subtitles. And at the first, I was just like, okay, well, I just want to watch these things, so they're cool. And then you realize, like, some of these shows are way better with the Japanese voices because the characters have, like, different voices. Like, uh, you know, a good example is the anime Bleach. 
um, the main character Ichigo, his voice in the American one is he's something like a big doofbag, you know, and he's um, it's all high pitched and, and he's like kind of whiny sounding. Whereas the 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 actual Japanese character, which of course is cast by you know the 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 actual creator of the manga that the anime was made from, the the creator the person who wrote it is actually involved in casting the voices, and it just fits the fits the character better. And I had actually seen that show. I had seen it from the beginning in Japanese. I had not seen any of it in English. And then they started airing it on Cartoon Network in Japanese. I mean, in English, dubbed. And I was like, what the hell did they do here? And it was funny because it was at that time, you know, I had been watching Inuyasha on Cartoon Network. And, you know, the characters' voices were dubbed on that, obviously, as well. And um, I was actually was used to the to the American voices and the Inuyasha in the uh, in the Japanese version actually a little bit little bit less uh, tough sounding than the guy who was they used for Inuyasha in the American dub version and there's a case of like you know they actually did pick a voice that was a little bit tougher sounding but when you listen to you know in retrospect what rewatching any of the episodes in, in the in the original Japanese dialogue I mean the the character voices are just it makes the game it makes the show and and while the guy they cast for Inuyasha is very good it's the same guy who did I believe that did Spike for uh, Cowboy Bebop um, the the um, the rest of the characters are, are garbage um, but they did do a that show is actually has a pretty good voice cast for the English version but the thing is is like when you watch these shows, and the um, a lot of them are dubbed by the same group over and over again, so you get the same cast of voices, just in different you know configurations. So it's, you know when you're watching a Japanese anime and it's dubbed, it's like, wow, there's that guy, I can hear him again. He's doing that voice, and here's this girl, she does that voice. It's a you know whatever her name is, Jennifer something, and the guy who does does Spike and Cowboy Bebop also did a bunch of other characters and a bunch of other animes and. And, you know, so it's, it's kind of like, um, it just, they all start to sound the same and it, it becomes this, uh, kind of like this sound that represents Japanese anime, which is not really accurate at all. Um, so, you know, I would assume it's just like if you watch like, you know, some sh American show in South America and it was dubbed with some, you know, silly voices or something, you're like, what the hell is this? But yeah, so really off track here. But anyway, so yeah, so it was you know it started out with when I was a kid, robots, toys, then you know dirt bikes and um, video games, and then older it was you know later on an, you know animes that I didn't know were animes, and then and then then I was I oh I was since I was watching the anime I was like well this is pretty cool. Then I actually got into watching a few uh, J dramas, and those are really cool too. And you know, between the J dramas and the anime, they use intros that are by current performers in Japan. So you get to learn Japanese music too, and they got some pretty cool Japanese music out there. Like I said, the Pillows, um, Asian Kung Fu Generation. Um, uh, let's see, um, Kaloon, um, Nico touches the walls. Uh, I could just keep going naming bands. Uh, Mook. Uh, M-U-C-C is what they, I think it's, you know, what they say. Um, 
The Birthday. Birthday's awesome. Really cool band. Um, you know, and so it's, it's I've, I really like Japanese music too, but, um, but anyway, so there's all these things, all these things through the years that kind of like, wow, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. Not everything's cool about Japan, though. You know, the way they treat women in situations isn't always cool. Um, you know, and I wouldn't say that every single thing is, I mean, like this, it's not really horrible. I mean, um, you know, it's it's still really cool. It's a very, you know, got some pretty cool stuff there. Um, it's definitely a place that one day I'd like to visit. You know, I'd love to go to um, Akihabara and check out, you know, the game stores like Super Potato, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I'll ever get there in any time in, in the future, near future ever. But um, one of the things I always thought would be really cool, this is the idea I had, was um, so I'm not the only person that thinks, you know, some of this Japanese stuff is cool. Like, um, you know, I'd love to play, I'd love to get a, Nintendo, uh, get a Famicom, which is a, you know, it's the Japanese version of the NES. I'd love to get a Super Famicom. There's games that were on that that were never released in the United States. Um, you know, all these kind of things that just never came to the United States, and they just, they're in these used game stores in Japan. I'm just like, man, I'd love to go there and just buy some of this stuff and have it. You know, and it's, some of it's cheap. And they, and in Japan, Japanese are much more meticulous about their things, and like their used games are in good shape and stuff for the most part. Um, some things are still, they keep them in the box, you know. Um, so, you know, that'd be really cool to have that. So, I mean, I like the food, I like the music, I like all these kind of stuff, and I was like, you know, it'd be really awesome because it just, there's nothing that, in this country, at least in the East Coast, there's nothing really authentically Japanese. You can go to a Japanese restaurant, you're going to go to a hibachi grill or you're gonna to go to sushi, a sushi place. And you go there and, you know, it's sushi and it's hibachi. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if there's any such thing as a hibachi in Japan. They definitely have grills that they cook on and stuff. And, uh, you know, and you also can get like a grill that you cook at your table with. Like you get your own stuff and you cook it on the table, like raw meat and you just put them on skewers. But it, it's not the way that we think of when we see a Japanese Hibachi, where the guy is doing this performance act, which is cool and all, but it's something that kind of came out of, you know, it's about as authentic Japanese as like Taco Bell is authentic Mexican. You know, it's got the flavor of it, but it's, um, but it's not really what it's like. Um, so, but it would be really, I just thought it'd be really cool. Like, some, buy some, you know, strip mall or you know, some commercial property and then convert it over to be like, uh, like a little, or even like just some area, build it to look like a little Akihabara, um, you know, with like, you know, uh, udon noodle restaurants and electronic stores and bookstores and music stores. And, you know, don't just, oh, I'm going to buy some of these things that are like in Japan, but actually get the real products and the real stores that are in Japan and then have them in United States in this kind of like little area that you can go to and have like a Jap, an authentic Japanese arcade, you know, like with real Japanese arcade machines, um, all that kind of stuff. And I would think it'd be really cool and actually hire Japanese people to come, you know, people from Japan. I'm not talking about people who are of Japanese descent, but people who speak Japanese. So kind of like, it's almost like a little bit of like, you know, the whole Epcot, um, windows on the world kind of thing, but it would just be Japan. It'd be like a little, little, like a little trans 
planning of everything in Japan over here, and you'd stock it from the stores in Japan. So you'd want to, you'd like say, okay, well, let's ship this stuff over, ship this stuff over. Obviously, some things would not be allowed in the United States because some toys don't conform to U.S. safety requirements um, that are made in Japan. But it'd be really cool to have whatever you can have in this country. You know, the gachapon. Uh, you know, machines that, that, you know, they're like, essentially, we have those vending machines, you put the quarter in, and you turn them, and it puts out a capsule, and they've got those crappy toys in them. Well, in Japan, they have the same kind of thing, except for they have really cool toys inside them, like little figurines and stuff. Um, just all that kind of stuff, just the little fun stuff that they have, just for fun, you know, just to go there, you know, have something a little different than what you see every day, you know, in this country, because, you know, if you live in this country, you go from one city to the next, and they've got Home Depot, they've got Walmart, they've got Lowe's, they've got um, Target, they've got, you know, all the same things everywhere you go. Um, so just that variety would just be something fun to do and have the restaurants, the stores, um, you know, the recreation kind of things from there. So that was my idea. And I stumbled upon the other day, and I forget how I even found out about this place, but down near Manhattan, on the other side of Hudson in New Jersey, there's this uh, Japanese grocery store. And they have, they lease out like 30 sub-stores inside their building. And it's really cool. They have like, they have like the Japanese telephone companies, you know, like Docomo, um, and, and I think it's NTT or something like that. Like, if you're gonna go to Japan and you need a cell phone, you guys should go to their store, you know, in New Jersey buy your phone ahead of time or even just get minutes for your phone your American phone in Japan um, I think that's just awesome and um, you know there's bookstores there's Japanese bookstores you get the things that are in Japan here and there's video stores there's restaurants and I'm not talking hibachi grills and sushi I mean they have they have sushi there but they've got several different kinds of noodle shops you know that's the kind of stuff that you just don't even see in this country it's just really awesome i mean i'm sure in like if you went to like san francisco or you know someplace with a, a large japanese population you might actually get some more authentic japanese stuff um but you know that's really awesome now uh, granted it's not everything that they have in japan i mean there's there's also uh, furniture stores and stuff like that but there's no japanese arcade in there but still it's pretty awesome i mean it's, it's i definitely want to go down there and maybe i maybe i'll do it this weekend i don't know you gotta see what the you know what the wife feels about going down to New York City. It's, that's about a three-hour drive for me to drive down there. Um, you know, so it'd be kind of cool to go there, check it out. Um, you know, maybe it would be this weekend or it would be the weekend after this next one. Because I think this next one, I'm actually taking my wife to this, um, like this big, huge yarn, wool, sheep kind of uh, event in Rhinebeck, New York, which is Apparently it's very, very famous, you know, for people who like knit and spin wool and stuff like that. Um, it's like a big, big deal to go there. So I'm taking her there, not this weekend, but I think it's next weekend. And uh, so it won't be that weekend, but I definitely want to go down there. They're apparently that same weekend, they're having some kind of like uh, food festival at that place too. And, and not only that, but they're not just in New Jersey, but I guess there's a place in in this, this this company has a location in um chicago a couple on the west coast and maybe one in texas or something like that too so 
um, you know, if you live in other parts of the country, I'm going to try to, actually, since I'm talking here, I think I can bring that up. I'm going to stop light. All right. see here I'm doing this Let's see what my sent email has in it taking a turn here I should get some gas right now so I'm gonna wait until I should get to the gas station that's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna pause now um, so I can get this information and then I will come back and I'll tell you about the place because I um, yeah all right so I'll be right back in a moment here Okay, I'm back. I got gasoline, and uh, so yeah. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about the this place called uh, the website for their location is called Mitsuwa.com, and that's a, it's a Japanese marketplace. M-I-T-S-U-W-A.com. Um, let's see. We got some people turning here and some traffic. Um, the place is just loaded with great uh, restaurants and food places. Um, Mifune. Um, which is like a noodle place, uh, just places you get bento boxes. Um, let's see here. The thing I'm one of the things I'm looking forward to trying is um, um, oh, what they call? Why can't I think of what it's called? Now? Um, you can get the in Japan. There's like vendors that sell on the street. These uh, they look like a fish, and it's like um, it's like a pastry that's filled with like a sweet bean paste inside of it. And why, for some reason, for the life of me, I can't think of what it's called. But um, there's gonna, there's a place that sells those there. Um, so I'm looking forward to trying that. Um, I mean, it's just like the place is just looks just phenomenal. It's just loaded with restaurants and um, uh, and furniture places and uh, there's you know fun video, which is like a you know obviously we get videos there. JBC video, huh. just really cool stuff, and uh, I mean, it just looks like it'll be something just so unique, and it's like just be able to go to Japan in a way, and I'm sure when you go there, there's probably going to be some, at least, at least in the cell phone place, I could tell that there is a bunch of people who look like they speak Japanese as well as English, so that'd be cool, I actually try out some, some of my self-taught Japanese, which I'm sure is horrible, but uh, you know, it's always get a little, get a little practice in there. It's uh, fun to do that. Um, you know, like most of the Japanese I've learned through the years comes from, you know, just watching TV shows and listening to music. Um, some some little reading here and there. The uh, on the on the Nintendo DS, the My Japanese Coach. That's actually pretty good. Um, couple learn Japanese videos. A um, little bit of uh, what's it called, Rosetta Stone, which I I gotta tell you, the Rosetta Stone software, it really isn't that great. Um, you know, if you're looking for something to teach you a language, it really doesn't, you know, particularly with Japanese, it, it doesn't really teach you right because it, it's not really teaching you the concepts, which, like in Japan, it's not, you know, like, it's not like you just can translate words because it's, it's not like, you know, like, oh, in France, you know, you've got, if you're learning French, 
literally there's like words for English words in French. And, you know, the word for love is, you know, um, you know, it's, there's a word for love in French and there's a word, you know, back and forth. Now, if you like look at like Greek, there was like a whole bunch of different words for love. You know, if it's brotherly love or, you know, uh, or if it's passionate love, things like that. But like in, like for example, in Japan, it's just, there's things that just don't, like they say, lost in translation. There's just, it's just like, well, you translate it, but it's like approximation, kind of. You know, it's like, there's like, and watching, you watch Japanese TV and stuff, and you watch it enough, and you kind of get the idea of what it means. And some of it's just explained. And it's just weird because like, you know, they don't say uh, like, I love you like we do in this country. Um, it's it's much more reserved. Um, you know, like for example, you just say, I kind of like, I like you. You know, it's kind of funny. I mean, it's, but it means a lot. Just to say, I like you means a lot versus, you know, I love you. Um, like, you know, like is like ski. That's the, that's the word, um, S-U-K-I. Um, I believe it's how it's spelled. Ski is what people say when they say I like you in Japanese. But it could be, you know, ski, I like you as a friend, or, you know, daisuke, which is big love, big like, you know. You might say that, um, or you might just say, you know, like, if you like a girl, and you say to some girl, you say, it's, ka- you say like, you know, you, you say you like him, you say, you know, you might even say ski dai which is very strong. But still, it doesn't, it's not the same as like, you might see somebody say, I stayed and that means like, I love you, which is much more of a powerful thing to say, as far as I can gather. Um, and you don't really see it saying, you don't see it said much in, at all. Um, you know, a lot of it's very, very, used very uh, rarely. And, uh, you know, I think it's a little bit, like in this country, you know, we kind of throw the word love around a lot and without reverence to it I guess I don't know but you know it's just that it's it's the the words you know like so you translate the word ski to like or you know you know die ski which is big essentially translated to big big like which means you know to us I big like you you know, and then if you said ski dayo, yo is essentially an exclamation point, you know. Um, so, you know, dai ski yo, I mean, ski dayo, <laughs> ski dayo. Uh, it actually means like big you, or, or big, but like big, like big with exclamation point. Um, but, you know, it's not the same as, um, it's just not, you know, it's just, you can kind of lose that. Just, there's one example of it. And just how you say things to people means so much. You know, referring to somebody by their given name versus their family name, um, if you don't know them well, that's that's kind of insulting to some people. Um, it kind of, And even if you know the person well, you really kind of need their permission before you even do it. And you can embarrass somebody by asking them to call you by their call you by your given name and when I say given name because you know you can't really say first name or last name because in this country we say first name and last name and it just means you know your last name is your family name and your first name is your given name but in Japan it's the reverse but it gets so conf- con- uh, when you're an American or English speaker and you go to Japan they try to like kind of conform to you and you try to conform to them so then you get all this kind of confusion going on so I'm using the word given name and family name um, just because it's a little bit more clear 
so yeah, um, because I have a few people I've spoken with online or, or written to online that are friends, and it's I, even then I, I we have confusion as to what you know, like oh, I don't want to refer to you by your first name right away because I don't want to insult you, um, you know, kind of thing. It's just it's just interesting um, how you you know. I don't I I still don't quit fully understand everything. Um, you know, it's it's and I've been. You know, it just, you have to. I think you really need to be immersed in it for a long period of time to just really understand how they are about things, and and, and it's just the, the language can be so complex that even some Japanese people don't know how to, um, like the most formal way of speaking. They don't necessarily know how to speak in that most formal way. Um, you know, uh, like for example, you and you're like in you know, you, um, essentially the word. Desu or des, you know, D E S U. Um, if you were to say it like we see it, we say desu, and that's essentially how you should say it in Japanese. But they say it so quickly that's kind of like des, and uh, that's like the end of a sentence. Essentially, it's a period at the end of the sentence. So you know, like say, uh, you know, watashi wa tai des. You know, that means my name is Tai, and but. Um, like to say it really formally, you would say like, "Watashi wa tai de arimasu," something like that. I think if you say it correctly, then it's like, I don't even really know. I'm just, you know, based on what I've seen people say and stuff. That's like the m most formal way to say it. But I think that even there, you wouldn't say "Watashi wa." You would probably say um, something. You'd probably say a variant of the word "Watashi wa," and I definitely wouldn't use my first name, my given name for that. It would be like, you know, it would be like. Watashiwa, Watashiwa Lori de Arimas, de Arimas, you know, something along that lines. And see, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but that's, you know, basically what I'm saying, you know, trying to convey is just saying it more formally. And then when you speak to people, you have to speak to them, you know, appropriately. If someone's younger than you, you speak to them differently than if they're the same age as you, or if they're older than you, or if they're significantly older, or of higher social standing, like, you know, for example, like, you know, like a senator in this country, you know, you call Mr. Senator, you know, but, uh, you know, there's all different ways of saying it. Or if they're like a, you know, if they're a teacher, you call them sensei or, or even a doctor is called sensei. Um, essentially means the same thing. Although we don't, we would think like, oh, or the, the doctor's a teacher, but they're not really teaching anybody. I mean, they might teach other doctors, but, um, or, or students of, doc, of, uh, you know, of, physiology but um, but they use the word sensei to mean teacher or doctor um, and also the same thing like with martial arts but then there's you know like there's sensei someone who's maybe teaching you martial arts but then there's like um, I think it's chijo which is like master essentially I, I there's so much so many different titles that people are given it's very it can be very confusing at times but it's pretty cool so like I said, I'm off on another tangent here, but there's all these kind of things, fun to learn Japanese, fun to go places, that you could kind of really experience it to some extent, you know, you know I've got four kids, there's no, there's no way I'm going to be going to Japan anytime in the next 10, 15 years of my life, so um, it'd just definitely be cool just to go there and just get a little flavor of it, get a little taste of it, you know, maybe, maybe talk to somebody in some Japanese just to get a little practice at it. Um, you know, because there's a lot of cool stuff. 
you know, just it's like going to another planet. It really is. It's like Star Trek. You know, they they go to some other planet. Everybody does everything a little bit differently. Not not better, not wrong, or worse. Just different. And so, you know, in this country where everything's kind of the same, it's fun to get away and try something different. You know, and it doesn't mean that I don't like the way things are here. I mean, to be honest with you, I like where I live. You know, I like my life. Um, but you know, you you can't. I can't say you can't appreciate what you have. Um, it just it's nice to just have that experience in your life to go somewhere else, see something different that's vastly different. Like you know, if I went to Canada, or if I went to even went to England, you know, that's different. But it's not different enough. You know, it's like okay, they speak English there, and they eat fish and chips, and they call you know certain things differently. You know, but you know, like, a cigarette's called a fag, you know, whoa, that's, oh, that's interesting, ha, 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 tee hee, they call it that, uh, you know, um, um, you know, and they say bloody, you know, but, but it's not really that different, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, they got a little bit of things going on, but it wouldn't be any different if I went to the South, you know, where they say, they do things a little differently, they say things a little differently, but it's still kind of the same, you know, it's still the same, I mean, you know, I, it's definitely more different than going to the south than it is being here, you know, going from the north to the south. Then it, you know, it's definitely different to go to England. Um, and then if you go into France, it's even more different. And if I went to, you know, Italy or some other place, it's even more different because, you know, you just keep going. But, you know, why not go to one place to a place that's really different, you know? But, but still kind of interesting because it's still Western. You know, like you go to if you went to China, it's Eastern. And, you know, they have some things that we have, but it's very, you know, it's Eastern in the way they do things. Japan, it's this weird thing where it's like Eastern and Western and just cultures of mixture, but yet very strong cultural identity that's their own, you know, and and while visitors are welcome, they're not, uh, you know, not, it's not like you're, hey, you know, all right, come and visit. You don't stay around too long, I <laughs> think it feels like, you know, uh, or, or, you know, you're just, you're a foreigner, you know, and, and that's kind of interesting, you know, it's, uh, they're going to treat you re- with respect, but, you know, you don't really belong there. They know you don't belong there, you know, uh, versus you go some other place and, like, you went to Italy, right? You go there, you're American, you go there, they're going to treat you, they're going to treat you nicely with their, you know, their hospitality and, um, you know, if you said, I'm going to live here, they'd be like, well, welcome, you know, come, come on, live in here in Italy, you know, it's a great place. And I don't think that they would be like, I don't think that in Japan they're going to be like, hey, you know, you know, we don't want you here. Because there's a lot of, lots of Americans that live in Japan. But it's like, you know, you're still kind of outcast, you know, you're still, you're gaijin, you know. <laughs> you're not, you're not, you know, from, you know, Japan, Nihon, you know, it's, it's not, not the same. You know, and just same thing like if you're like Korean in Japan or if you're like Chinese in Japan, you know, you hear Japanese, you know, and even within Japan, there's differences. I mean, you've got people who are from the West Coast of Japan, you know, who speak differently than people on the East Coast and, and the people, you know, like in, in like uh, Tokyo, when someone comes from Kyoto and has their, um, oh, what's it called, uh, the accent that they have, you know, it, it, it it's, they're kind of the way the accent is kind of loud and rambunctious, um, you know, they, 
like in Japan, they say somebody's stupid, they say baka. But in, in you know, in like Kyoto, they're gonna say like ahora, you know, essentially the same thing. But it's and they kind of speak louder, and um, it's kind of like the southern southerners, you know. It's it's I wouldn't say the southerners speak louder. I don't know. It's it's just you know, there's just kind of you know, people in Tokyo think they're much more couth than I think than the people in Kyoto. I mean, that's just my impression I've got from what I've seen. You know, in their media, it doesn't mean that it's right. I'm not. I gotta tell you, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but I find it interesting. All right. Okay. So yeah. So that place is called. Um, let's see here. It's called Mits, Mits, Mitsuwa, uh, Mitsuwa Marketplace, and uh, let's see. They got several locations. They have. They have their New Jersey store, they have a Chicago store, they have a San Diego store, where there's two of those. There's an Irvine and a Costa Mesa store, and there's a San Jose, there's three in San Jose. Um, let's see here. The New Jersey store, the one I'm probably gonna go to, is at 595 River Road in Edgewater, New Jersey, and their phone number is 201 9141 um, So if you guys want to check that out, it's pretty cool. Um, like I said, if you want, if you're another place in the country, and you want to check out these stores. It's uh, Mitsua.com. Uh, M-I-T-S-U-W-A. Um, definitely check the website out because I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. So back to Taito Games. Um, yeah. So you know, Rastan and. Um, uh, Rastan and Gladiator and Kadash and um, let's see what's the other ones. Um, why can I not think of the the shooting game? It's hard to think of them all. Um, no. Taito is just has such a huge library of games. It's, it's ridiculous. It's just, um, you know, of all publishers, I think that they probably have the most. I, you know, in recent years, I think they've kind of made less. Maybe um, that's even hard to say um, because I think it's like games just don't do this country, and uh, and Taito has a has a really good way of stealthily releasing games. Um, you know, also the you know, game system too, like the. Um, uh, Tights Arcade System, which is really awesome, or their E cabinets, which are you know much still just as awesome. Um, if I can get this is brain king brain. Yeah, Lunar Rescue is a very good game. Um, Crazy Climber, another really great arcade. Um, let's see, Phoenix. And obviously, Stevers. Oh man, directly made by Taito. Um, I think Backbone is actually the ones that developed it. They also did the uh, you know Street Fighter, Street Fighter Two Turbo HD release for Capcom. Backbone's made a lot of cool games. They've made remade um, 
pretty, I think they made, remade uh, Contra 4. They're the ones that made that game. Um, Kicks, one of my favorite games. Loved playing that game as a kid. Space Dungeon. Now there's a game you're not going to see very often, but I was playing that one at um, Fun Spot. Man, that game is fun. You literally, one joystick, it's a two joystick game. One joystick moves your spaceship around. The second one aims in eight directions. It's a lot like um, Robotron crossed with, think of Robotron crossed with um, uh, Omega Race. It's a, kind of like somebody between the two of those. Jungle Hunt, that's a good game. And obviously I said Mr. Do. Um, let's see if I can think of some other ones. Uh, Zookeeper, very good game. Um, Elevator Action, I don't know if you guys have played Elevator Action. And by the way, there's an elevator game, very cool, um, where it actually has elevator doors. It's an arcade game. It's got like a big screen TVs that are behind it, so it's like flat panels. So it literally feels like you're in the elevator, the doors open, and you shoot things. It's, you use light guns. Very cool. Um, Ninja Kid, very good game. Ninja Hayate. Mach 3, very good game. Um, let's see. Oh... Knuckle Joe, that's a good game. Um, oh, Return of the Vaders, Invaders, that's pretty cool. That's a remake, of, um, you know, like a sequel to uh, Space Invaders. Space Battleship Yamato, which is actually, um, I believe that's part of like the whole Robotech stuff. Um, not played that one, but I'm pretty sure that's good. Arkanoid. Arkanoid is an infamous game because one, it's an awesome game, lots of fun, but at the same time for many collectors, it is kind of like a bane of their existence because so many good uh, original arcade cabinets in the, through the years have been converted to Arkanoid. There's a few games out there that are destroyers of, of games and Arkanoid is one of them. Another one is uh, Golden Tee. Um, Arkanoid destroyed a lot of the classics like, you know, sp uh, if you look at like uh, you know a lot of the Atari cabs, like uh, uh, Centipede and Missile Command, and um, even some Donkey Kongs, lots of lots of games from like the '80s. Arkanoid was the killer of those, and uh, um, and then in the late '90s, early late '90s, uh, Golden Tee killed a lot of the the early '90s games like Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 2, um, Killer Instinct. Um, you know you, you'll find these cabinets that are painted black and have golden T control panels on them. And then you go and strip them down, and guess what's underneath it? It's a Mortal Kombat, you know? And there's so many Mortal Kombats that have had this done to them. And, uh, you know, uh, like James, he's got, he has got um, a three cabinets. One he's already stripped, which is that, as I said before, it's that Killer Instinct. And that was converted to a Tekken, um, Tekken Tag, I believe it was. But the other one he's got, the other two he's got, one was a golden T, and, it was converted to Golden Tee, and that was a Mortal Kombat. And then he's got a, uh, ooh, what's the other one? Um, Smash TV, and that's also, I think, was something like a Golden Tee. I think it's like a, um, it's the uh, bowling version of Golden Tee. Um, like I said, Bubble Bobble's a great game. Um, Darius. 
That's the game I've been trying to tell you guys about. Darius, um, that's the one that's got three screens in the original one arcade. And it's just awesome because you got this tiny ship and huge, gigantic bosses, huge levels that t fill up three, three screens that are stitched together with mirrors. So you've got like, I, I've, I'm not sure exactly the exact configuration, but essentially you've got either two screens in the cabinet facing up and one facing towards you. And then there's a mirror that's a 45 degree angle. So all three monitors are stitched together without any gap between them. So it makes one big continuous wide image. Um, so that's a very cool game. I love playing that one. You know, obviously it's a gladiator. Um, let's see what else is there. Renegade. That's another great game by a title. Oh, Super Bubble Bobble. Um, Revenge of Doe, another Arkanoid game. Very good. Um, there's a whole bunch of variations of Darius. Um, and uh, Double Dragon. I don't know if you call it a Taito game because it was actually made by Technos of Japan. But in this country, it was released and licensed by Taito. Just like same with, the, with the Ghouls and Go Ghosts and Goblins was another game that was made by Capcom but then licensed by Taito in the United States. But they definitely brought a good game to the United States. So I can't, I gotta, you know, give them props for that. Operation Wolf is a good game. Gets a little boring. Um, you know, Rainbow Islands, obviously Bobble. And Rastan. Um, let's see, more Arkanoids and... Chase HQ. I definitely like that game. It's a very good game. Um... Heavy Unit's very good. Star Warrior, which is the Rastan Saga 2. There's a bad one. That's a bad game. Um, don't don't get in that Star Warrior or Rastan Saga 2. Unless you just sucker for punishment, you know, or just want to have a crappy game. I'm probably going to get it myself, just, just to have it. Just to have a bad one. The Ninja Warriors, that's a three-screen game, just like uh, Darius. Um, I'm not sure which one was the one that was a conversion, but they were both released as dedicated cabinets as well. Um... Superman, bad game. Okay, so there's another bad one. Superman for the arcade, not very good. To be honest with you, I don't know if, is, if there is a good Superman game ever because you know, the whole premise of Superman is kind of... You know, when I was a little kid, I loved Superman. I had my little Superman... Um, what, are, what were they called? Underoos? You know, that was the PJs? Well, you had the underwear. I had the Superman underwear, Underoos, which was like Unman, uh, Superman underwear. And then I had the PJs that matched it too. Um, you kind of looked like you had your Superman outfit. And I used to run around and pretend I was Superman. But, you know, when it comes to, comes to most things, Superman is kind of boring, you know, because Superman's essentially invincible. Um, you know, whenever something happens, it's because Superman was a stupid idiot, you know? Like, and the funniest thing is you think that Superman is all that great. You know, like, he's supposed to be super smart. But every time something happens to Superman, it's because he's stupid. You know, like, oh, I'm going to give up my powers. Why the hell would anybody give up their superpowers? You know, it's like you got to be insane in the membrane. I mean, it's like, why would you give up your super hearing, super speed, and Billy the Fly? I mean, it, that doesn't make any sense. You think Lois Lane wouldn't like you because you're, or what the hell, you know? It's like, that's who you are. You are Superman. Like, you know, it'd be like me. It's like, you know, does, does my wife love me because I have all four limbs? You know, what if I, you know, maybe I should cut them all off and see if she still loves me. <laughs> that's insane, you know? It, it's, it's essentially the same thing. No one would, in real life, if they had the ability to burn things with their eyes, fly through the air, freeze things with their breath, you know, go very fast, be invincible to things, 
They would never give that up. You have to be in, I mean, literally you have to have a mental disorder to do that. Uh, I mean, people do cut their own limbs off, but it's not something that a normal sane person would do. And so the fact that he did that makes me question his insanity. His sanity. But, um, you know, it was to, to make a movie. But, you know, really, Superman's invincible. You play a game where you're Superman and you can fly around and why would you have a health meter? You know, that's like, what? You know, because <laughs> Superman doesn't get hurt. He can't hurt Superman. The only thing that Superman, you know, if you're going to make a game for Superman, I think that's probably the problem is that, you know, the real problem Superman ever has is that he can't be everywhere at once. He's got competing um, priorities. That's Superman's biggest dilemma. Superman is freaking Superman. He's super, you know. He can't hurt Superman except for with Kryptonite, you know, which they made that up just so they could have something, make the story a little bit more interesting. But, you know, originally Superman was just pretty much invincible. I mean, he couldn't fly in the beginning, but, um, you know, things didn't hurt him. And, and then later on, like the death of Superman, he all of a sudden gets beat to death by this thing. Like, he doesn't get, he's, in, he's impervious. He shouldn't get beat to death, you know? It, it, the whole thing is, the comic books are bizarre and stuff. But anyways, I'm almost home. But this, essentially, I think what would make a good Superman game, to cut that short, would be a game where you got to save people, but you got to, like, do, like, what's, you know, like, there's, like, five people bad things are happening to, and you got your girlfriend, and you got all these other things, and you got to balance that out. And it would be a tedious, boring, a tediously... Um, annoying game, but it would be authentic to Superman. I think you could do it well. And it wouldn't be just some game where you're beating everything up. You know, so, you know, like Lex Luthor, when he always def- got Superman, it was either through, you know, with Kryptonite or by just putting, like, oh, you're going to save, you're going to save your girlfriend or you're going to stop that missile. You know, like, what, or you're going to save my secretary. One of the things, you know, like, what's, what are you going to do, Superman? You know, put him in a position where he can't save everybody. You know, that's that's essentially what a Superman video game should be like, where you have to choose things. And then there's repercussions, and it's a storyline. Because really, what makes Superman interesting is not the his abilities, but his choices he makes and what his choices mean. And so essentially, any Superman video game should be a story more than anything else. Okay, guys, I'm home, and I'm cutting the short ca- this podcast off now, and have a great weekend.